This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I want to jump in and continue on, uh, on alignment. This is part three of alignment. And in your service guide, you should have a note sheet so that you can follow along. We also have the, um, um, the YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along on, uh, on that as well this morning. And uh, we've been talking about alignment. And I asked a couple weeks ago on Facebook, what are some real life scenarios where alignment is critically important? The first thing that was mentioned and was mentioned the most was the tires of our car. Very important that our, that our tires be properly aligned, correct? Yes. A uh, few people mentioned our body, our neck, our back. We had Dr. Tyler Qualls in here a couple weeks ago that talked to us. Um, we talked about la- last week, we're talking about uh, a rifle to its target. And we, we talked about, um, we, we were talking about Chris Kyle and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I was going to mention a few more. Each week I've tried to mention more because you all have kind of added to that, that list. And, and um, I saw one that I, I thought was vitally important. My Aunt Barbara mentioned an airplane to the runway. I was like, especially when I'm in that airplane, I sure hope it's aligned to the runway. Uh, some of y'all know Ms. Della Perkins. She said, in dance, alignment is everything. It makes a difference between being balanced and off balance. It facilitates movement, prevents possible injury, and sets the environment for movement efficiency. Uh, some of you know Mr. Travis Buckner. He's uh, from over at uh, City Church. He said, surgery. And I was like, please have your knife aligned properly if you're going to use it on me. Miss um, Eddie said, x-rays have to be properly aligned so that you can get proper imaging the first time to avoid having to retake or over-radiate the patient, right? Very important. I had an example I was going to use um, for just a moment that I, I just kind of got thinking about this week. I, I hadn't really considered before, but I was going to talk for a moment about the moon. Any of y'all ever realize the moon is vitally important? The alignment of the moon is vital and important. And I think we don't think a whole lot about it because we've seen the moon every day of our lives. It's always been there. It's not going anywhere. So we don't think a whole lot of it, right? We would if it was gone. <laughs> you know, when something is gone, you notice it very quickly. And sometimes it has great ramifications. It, for instance, how many of you remember, how many of you remember September 11th? Remember that day? I mean, what a terrible day that was. But you know, one of the most bizarre things to me that day was, some of y'all remember our old building over on Ross Road, but I remember getting there to the church that morning after all that had happened and standing out front and we were on a flight path where FedEx's planes would come over and land and the skies went silent. And I had never noticed, we had been in that building so long, I didn't even hear the FedEx planes anymore. They would come over low, and, and, and it would almost rumble as they would come over one after another, after another, after another, and nonstop, all day, every day. But man, once they were gone, you totally noticed. It was eerie. But I was thinking about the moon, and, you know, we're the only planet in the solar system, I believe, that has only one moon, which is very unique. You know, some of the planets in the solar system, the larger planets, uh, have up to 150 moons. And we have one. Did you know that we have, I believe, ours is the largest moon. And not just the, actually, that's not true. It's not the largest moon, but it's the largest moon in respect to the size of the planet that it orbits. 
Our moon is incredibly large in comparison to the size of the planet that is orbiting. That may not sound like any big deal, but it, it's a really big deal, actually. Um, most planets, you know, we know that our planets, planets rotate, they orbit around the sun, right? And then you've got moons that rotate around each of those planets. You know that moons generally rotate around the equator of a planet. So our planet, the Earth, is on an axis. So generally, the moon should be rotating around the equator of the Earth. You know it's not? Our moon rotates on a parallel axis with the sun. All the other moons in the solar system rotate around the axis of their planet. Ours rotates in parallel with the sun. How strange is that? Did you know that because of that, it keeps, our moon keeps our planet on axis? The other planets in the solar system, some of them wobble wildly. What is, difference does that make? It makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. If the moon was gone, they say the earth would wobble up to 90 degrees off its axis. So the earth is like this on its axis. It would wobble up to 90 degrees off of its axis because the moon was gone. Weather patterns would suddenly fluctuate so wildly that probably the earth couldn't sustain life anymore. Ocean tides would pretty much disappear. There would be slight ocean tides because of the sun, the gravity of the sun, but they would be very slight. And I didn't realize how important tides were. You can look it up, but tides are, are very important. One of the biggest things with tides is um, the way that they move, it actually stirs the oceans and it actually regulates the temperature of the earth. Never realized how important that was. Tides are very important. And it's very important in regulating climate and, uh, and, and, um, and um, the, not, not just temperature, but the weather. I'm sorry, the weather. The earth, uh, the moon travel is an average of 239,000 miles from the earth. It's in its elliptical orbit, so it, it varies just a little bit depending on exactly where it is. And it's traveling at 2,290 miles an hour. And one thing keep it, keeps, it in, keeps it in place, and it's perfectly constant gravity. They say a big enough explosion on one side of the sun, one side of the moon, could knock it off of its orbit and it would shoot straight off into space. It's perfectly aligned. It's perfectly aligned around the earth. It's perfectly aligned with the sun. It keeps the earth perfectly on axis. It keeps the weather and the temperature on the earth just right to sustain life the way that God intended it. Is that not incredible? And actually, oh, I forgot about my moon pictures. So I had moon pictures. Put up the first one real quick. Everybody see the moon picture? Moon picture. There you go. Sorry, I almost forgot it. And for all you 80s geeks, my favorite moon picture, the next moon picture that was ever taken right there. <laughs> so almost forgot about it. Best moon picture that was ever taken. So anyway, moving on. Alignment and balance is vitally important. You can take that off the screen now. I feel like too much of a geek. Alignment is vitally important. Who we are and what we are aligned with very much will determine where we go in life. I, I subtitled it Position to Prosper. Talked about how prosper. Prosper means a state of being successful, to grow strong and healthy, to be strong and flourishing. And actually, Shauna told me in ladies' group, Robert Morris mentioned this week, that prosper meant, he said another definition is to move forward. 
thought, how interesting is that? Our theme for the year is moving forward. And I think that's a huge key. I'm actually going to talk about that in a few minutes as we go further along. But alignment, alignment, alignment is arrangement in a straight line or correct relative position, a position of agreement or alliance. The whole, the whole point of this series, if we're properly aligned, we can be successful, healthy, strong, flourishing, and moving forward. And so real quick, real quick wrap up. I gave you three questions a week one, two weeks ago. Why should I be aligned with God? Because our world is lost. Our world is hopeless, eaten up with guilt and shame and fear, has nowhere to turn. We have all these innate inborn desires that God placed within us that can only be met by him. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all aligned with his enemy by default. We have to turn to him. We have to be aligned with him. More than anything else, we need a savior. We need God, and this is what salvation is. Salvation is alignment with Almighty God. Second question, what are the terms of this alignment? We talked about how every agreement, every alliance in the world, there are terms to that agreement, to that alliance. And we talked about how the terms of our alignment with God is surrender, repentance, putting him first, obeying him, and living for him, putting away our past sinful ways and choosing to be like Jesus. We talked about once we're saved, we become a new creation, and with that new creation comes a new nature, And with that new nature comes new desires so that we don't keep on sinning. That we're far from perfect, but we're doing our best to grow and to move forward, right? The third question I asked you week one was, what happens if I fall out of alignment? We agreed that alignment is a lifelong process. However, God always makes realignment an option. And because alignment is simply, actually it's repentance. Because repentance is simply a matter of the heart, then We just change our heart and our attitude toward God, and we come back into alignment with him. So we've surrendered our life to Christ. We've come into alignment with him. What's next? So we talked about how this is a process. This is something that we walk out. It's a progression. God wants us to grow. And so last week we were talking about our children. Our children and infants will do just about anything for them. But as they grow, we begin to expect more and more of them, right? We have increased expectations. So as a new believer... We are aligned and we're headed the right direction. We've been born, reborn into a new family, right? We've surrendered our life to Christ. We've been adopted. We've been called his son. We've been called his daughter. Everything now is about fine-tuning that alignment with him. We're his spiritual kids in his house, but there comes a point where we've got to start growing up. True? It's time to come into alignment with the expectations that father has of his growing, maturing children. So what's expected of his growing children? I gave you four things. One was discover who you are. And this is vitally important because we've been reborn. We're part of a new family. We're a new creation. We have a new nature. We have new desires. So figure out who it is that God's made you to be. You can't meet expectations if you don't know what they are. Even though you may be used to an old way of life, it's not life as usual. It's not business as usual. We've got to learn and grow as much as we can. We've got to figure out who God says we are. We've got to figure out why he loves us so much, what he requires us, what our family responsibilities are in this new house. And we talked about how he's written down everything, past, present, and future. It's all written in the Bible. And the Bible is God's primary voice in our life on planet Earth. And so, how many of you would agree it is very important that we get in and we know God's word and we get it within us? 
we got to get hungry for him and develop that hunger and pursue him with everything we are. The second thing I mentioned, expectations God has of us. Submit and learn from those that God has placed in our life. How many of you know that God did not mean for us to walk life alone? He brings different people into our life at different times to challenge us and inspire us and correct us and motivate us, encourage us so that we can be everything he's called us to be. And our children begin learning about authority in life. But the problem is we see authority abused so much in the world today on the news and social media and stuff that we don't want to trust anybody. But that's not the biblical way. That's not God's way. We don't submit to abusive authority, but God has placed people in our life that we're supposed to listen to. And I truly believe that God, the people that God has placed in our life will be probably the second most prominent voice of God in our life on the earth. The people that God has surrounded us with. The third thing I mentioned is we got to learn to trust and obey. If we're going to be dependent on them, if we're going to surrender to them, we got to learn to trust them, don't we? Our Father will always know what's best. He will always see the big picture when we don't. He will always know it all. And we will be learning about him for all eternity. For this reason, we have to continue getting his word in our hearts. We've got to seek godly counsel, direction, correction, encouragement from those that he's placed around us. We've got to learn to trust and obey him. And the last thing I told you last week was, don't rush it. Walk out the process. And many times, as growing, maturing kids in God's house, just like the kids in our house, we don't want to walk it out. Quit treating me like a baby. Right? I want to be treated like an adult. But we have to learn the basics first, correct? Like I said, you don't go give your kid 5,000 bucks when they're four years old and tell them to invest it wisely when they don't know what money is. They may want to be treated like an adult. They may have this beginning concept of what money is. They just know that it gets them things that they want, right? But they don't know what money is. They've got to grow. And the same way, we've got to grow in God's house. We can't jump ahead. With God, everything is process. And I think that's why many times God shows us things one step at a time because too often we try and figure it out ourselves and we try and run on ahead of them. We try to make our own way. And how many of you know, if you like me, every time I do that, I totally jack it up. Devote your life to them. He said, practice these things. What things? The teachings of the word. Devote your life to them so that everyone can see your progress. Progress is process. We should always be making progress, but we can't be rushing to get to our assumed destination too quickly. Rarely does the process look the way we think it's going to look. We've got to get hungry for God. We've got to grow and mature. We've got to make sure that we're not making things happen. We've got to allow God to open the right doors at the right time and for him to promote us. Through the process. And through this, he will steadily but surely fine-tune our alignment, and we will be a usable instrument in his hand. And so I'm going to continue today. I'm going to talk for just a few minutes about spiritual maturity. Everybody say maturity. Maturity. Don't we love maturity? I'm mature. Yeah. This actually ended up being a bit longer than I thought it would be, and I, I ended up breaking it in half earlier in the week, and, and really what this is going to be is a start for next week. Um, I, I was looking at it and, and really got to thinking. I, I, I got a little stuck on it as I was thinking about spiritual maturity because I was going through the last couple of weeks 
and I was thinking about this whole thing and how we grow and how we mature. And, you know, maturity is something that we strive for. We strive for from the time we're young, right, in, in, in our own way. <laughs> our parents want us to be mature, and we want to be mature as well. But our, when we're a kid, our, our whole idea of maturity looks a lot different than our parents' view of maturity, right? Our, our view of maturity is everybody else treating us like we're mature. Maturity is something that we're continually reaching toward because, have you know, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual life, in our spiritual walk with God, there's always going to be another area where we need to grow up, isn't there? So, in talking about maturity, so through this process we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks of aligning with God. So we've surrendered our life to Christ. We've been born into his family. We've committed to living a life that confesses Jesus as Lord. We've committed to living a life of surrender and repentance. We've begun discovering who we are and our place in the family. We've begun maturing and growing. We've begun submitting to those that God has placed in our life. We've begun learning to trust and obey God and to walk out the process and not rush things. What's next? This is where I kept getting stuck. Really, you just start over. This is the process all the way through life. I looked up the word mature. Mature means having attained a final or desired state of or relating to a condition of full development. As I just said, in regards to our spiritual life on earth, how many of you know we will never attain a final state of maturity on the earth in God? How many of you know that we will never reach the condition of full development on planet Earth. So really, that def- those two definitions there really don't apply to what we're talking about. It's kind of what we're striving toward, but we can't reach it. You know, my definition I put down for, ma- for mature maturity is just doing what you know. Not making excuses, moving forward and being accountable. Doing what you know. You've heard that before. Once you know, you're accountable for it. (laughs) I think it's accepting and embracing that. I actually found a third definition for mature. And I only found it in one dictionary. I went through about five. (laughs) And and, uh, one dictionary had another definition for mature that I thought, and actually I think it was just the Merriam-Webster Um, that had a third definition. That third one said, having achieved a low but stable growth rate. And I was like, there we go. That's what we're talking about right there. That's the key to all of it. Surely but steadily moving forward. How many know sometimes we move forward a little faster than other times? And sometimes we slow down to a little bit of a snail's pace. But the key is to keep moving forward right? Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep moving. That's the key. Not rushing it, but walking out the process. So with that definition in mind, you want to know your level of spiritual maturity? Oh, gracious. Look back over the last few years in your life. Have you come into closer alignment with God over the last few years? Have you been moving forward? Or Have you found that your growth has been stunted and that you're sitting still? Where are we at? 
So I'm going to talk for just a few minutes, and I'm going to go back over the last couple of weeks, those, the, the things we talked about, the expectations that God has of us. What I think what we really need to do is we need to break down what those look like in our life. And, and I'm not going to give a lot of examples and things for these because now we're talking about being mature, right? Now we're talking about growing up, and I'm actually going to give a lot more scripture than I normally give because now we're supposed to be digging into the word. We're supposed to be hungry for it. True? So, like in our life. So, you'll see this in your notes. Three of the expectations of believers and what they should look like in our life. So, the first one being a life of surrender and repentance. Secondly, a life of submission. And thirdly, a life of trust and obedience. As we become mature believers, what this should begin to look like. How we walk these things out. Who's ready to be mature? (laughs) Say, I'm ready. No, you're not. (laughs) Number one, a life of surrender and repentance. I've said all along through this that we got to know who we are. It's not just knowing who we are. It's knowing who God says we are because we can convince ourselves that we are totally somebody else. We've got to know that we are who God says we are and not just accept it not, not, just, not just know it, but accept it and, and our place in God's family. How do we do this? How do we live a life of surrender and repentance? And I, I've got several things. You'll see them in your notes there. But firstly, I, we've got to commit to living God's way. We've got to commit to living God's way. This is tough, guys. We live in a, we live in a selfish, materialistic society that's completely contrary to the word of God. We're raised in it from the time we were real young. And it makes us difficult. It goes against the grain. But Romans 6, 5, and 6 says, Since you have been united with him, with Jesus, in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves. We've got a way out. I hear people say all the time who are trapped in sin, well, it's just, it's just who I am. We see today people making excuses and saying, well, it must be okay with God. This is the way he made me. It says here we are no longer slaves to sin. I believe, in, I believe in bondages where we need serious freedom in our life, where we even have to get other people to come around us and support us and to help us walk out that freedom. But it says here that we are not slaves to it once we've come into alignment with God. We have got to commit to living God's way. It's got to become a drive and a passion of our hearts and our lives. Second thing I was going to mention there was we must, to live a life of surrender, you know, desire correction. Don't you love that one? You know another word for correction? Alignment. How many of you know alignment is correction? When we desire to be aligned, we're desiring to be corrected. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How many of you would say that that's you? You're being transformed. Yes, we're being transformed, right? Who in here is a follower of Jesus? 
Okay, so we're being transformed, right? Well, transformation requires knowledge. Transformation requires change. Transformation requires correction and alignment. But we live in a society today where nobody, nobody wants correction. Even the people who love us the most can come to us and say, I'm, I'm really concerned about you. I'm really concerned about what I'm seeing in your life right now. I'm concerned that you're destroying yourself. I need to talk to you for a minute. And what's the first thing we do? We put up a big old fat wall. And we don't want to hear a word of it. And we get defensive, right? You think part of it is that we already know that it's true? But we don't want to deal with it? Bible tells us that if we're properly aligned, that we won't immediately get defensive. Instead, we'll stop and we'll consider whether or not this is actually accurate. Is there truth in this? Have you known people, and sometimes we say it jokingly, right? You know, people say stuff to us, and they're all laughing when they say it, right? <laughs> Man, you're so rude. <laughs> uh, they totally mean it. <laughs> right? And it's even those moments where you've got to stop and go, gosh, am I really? Right? Is that really part of who I am? How many of you know there's, there's, there's always truth in there, right? we got to desire those things. And we got to be willing to look at them and consider them in our heart and life so that it brings us into closer alignment with God so that we look a little more like Jesus, right? Next thing I want to mention was denying your flesh. And, and this just goes hand in hand with the other ones. Ephesians 4, 22 and 23, you were taught with regard to your former life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Do not love the, thing, the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. It's part of why we fast, right? To deny ourselves. Nobody wants to deny their flesh. But it's the path. It's the path of Jesus. Next thing, be quick to repent. This is the life of surrender and repentance. Be quick to repent. Acts 17.30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. How many of you know repentance is the way to alignment? That's the way. And remember I talked about repentance is not apology. Repentance is turning away from our sin and going the other direction. It's turning, uh, people say, just repent of your sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins, and then keep on in the same thing. That's not, that's not repentance. Repentance is when we turn away from our sin, we refuse to have part of it in our life, and we turn our back to it, and we make it right. We make it right. We make the wrong things right. We, we repay what we stole. We, we, we repent to those that we hurt. That's repentance. We've got to be quick to, and you wouldn't believe how many people I've talked to you believe how many people I've talked to, of course, I've, I've talked more to men. Or I've said, you know, a man's come to me and said, hey, I had this happen to me and my wife. And, I had, and I've said, man, you need to go repent to your wife. Or you need to go repent to your children. For the, what? Well, I was wrong, but I can't go repent. You need to repent to them. What? That's going to make me look weak in front of them. Go repent to them. Get down in front of them and look them in the eyes and say, I was wrong. And I'm going to make this right. Will you 
will you please forgive me? We've got to be quick to repent. The last thing I was going to mention, and really this falls between this and life of submission, but I decided to go ahead and put it on this one, is commit to the church. A life of submission and repentance? Yes. Because really, but we're being adopted into his family, so we're surrendering to his family. So really, we're surrendering to the church. We're being accepted in and grafted in as a part of it, right? We're talking about the people. We're talking about the body. And the, man, man, the importance of the church has so been neglected in the last 10, 20 years. Wasn't me. We've got to commit to the church. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage each other. Acts 5.42 says, They met day after day in the temple courts from house to house. Guys, we need each other. We need each other. We need godly influences. We need accountability. We need unity. We need to be aligned as God's children and his family in the earth, in the United States of America today, badly. That's why we encourage everybody, come out to Spirit Church tonight for this, for this unity service we're doing tonight. It's going to be powerful. It's always powerful when we stand together with other believers that are from different walks of life and look different from us, and, and we lock arms and we say we're standing together. we got to commit to the church. And it's in places like that. How many of you know the church needs us too? You need others, but others need you. You know, we put up those prayer requests each week on the screen. I hope you guys are praying. You know, I, I, you know, I just said that about my dad answering the phone. But, you know, we've been praying. Uh, you all know my brother Josh, his wife Jenna uh, fell and broke her leg Friday night in like three places. And she's actually in surgery this morning. So we've been praying. I know some of y'all have been, have been praying as well. The church is important that we can come together and we can pray for one another and lift each other up and hold each other accountable. Amen? Second thing I want to mention today was a life of submission. Life of submission is so important. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, I saw some, I mentioned this in the in the series, my life, my responsibility. But I saw something even new in this again. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. There's a period. It says, "Resist the devil, comma, and he will flee from you." So, we all want the "he will flee from you" part, but for him to flee from us, we have to resist him. For us to resist him, we have to submit to God. It's a process. We have to walk that out first. We have to constantly be filling ourselves with God's word, and we've got to be learning how to submit ourselves to God. We want to grow. We want to be sure. We want to be used more by God. We want to be people of faith. But, but Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But people aren't getting into the word. Did you know what else comes by hearing? Doubt. Doubt comes by hearing. What are you filling yourself with? Mark 
Faith comes more. That's why Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Faith comes by hearing, but so does doubt. What are you filling yourself with? If we're going to surrender to him, we got to know him and we got to know his ways. And we're only going to do that by digging into his word. Next thing I was going to mention in this, a life of submission is being humble. How many of you know surrender requires humility? Surrender requires humility. Matthew 10, 24 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Verse Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. We may be at different points in our life and be wondering why God hasn't promoted us. Why haven't I gotten to this place? Why, haven't, why hasn't this dream that God gave me years ago been fulfilled in my life yet? Why haven't I been promoted to this place that God promised me years ago? Why haven't this word that, that God gave me been fulfilled? You know, sometimes we just haven't been, lived a life that's submitted to God. Sometimes we just need to surrender and submit and humble ourselves before him. I read a couple things I, I thought was awesome this week, a couple of statements. Humility does not feel a right to better treatment than Jesus received. As Americans, we feel like we have a right to all kinds of things, right? We have a right to all kinds of stuff. I have a right to fill in the blank. As we could write down a thousand things. Reality, Jesus never said he had a right to anything. Not a thing. Humility knows that it's dependent upon grace. Humility knows that it's dependent upon grace. Without grace, we have nothing. Humility knows that it's fallible, so it considers criticism and learns from it. We've got to learn what it means to be humble before God. Next thing I was going to mention here was about um, living a life of submission is prayer, praying and developing our personal relationship. And let me say this. I linked prayer and relationship because understand that what sets Christianity apart, everybody can say, everybody's saying today that we all serve the same God. No, we don't serve the same God. Christianity, the God of the Christian is set apart from every other God in the world by relationship. We talked about in, uh, in our men's small group Tuesday night, uh, actually Matt was talking and, uh, and, and, and brought up talking about prayer. And he talked about, he had, always thought, he had always thought of prayer as being a monologue. We pray to God. And talked about how a few years ago here at the church, he realized that prayer is supposed to be a, a dialogue. That it's a relationship. It was actually a it was actually a similar thing. Um, actually, Paul Dykow said something to me back when they first started coming a number of years ago. He was talking about the worship and how, man, the music is just awesome and, and all the stuff. And he said, but he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, I noticed that you guys don't sing about God. He said, you sing to God. And I thought, that is the greatest compliment I've ever heard. <laughs> it's about relationship. We're not singing about God. We're singing to him. Prayer, we're not talking to God. We're talking, well, with. Yes, thank you. With God, right? 
Prayer shouldn't be a, should be a dialogue, not a monologue. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we know it says pray without ceasing, right? We've got to be in constant communication with the Father. Talking to him, listening to him, thinking about him, meditating on him. This is how relationship works. That's what it's all about. The last thing I want to mention under life of submission is living a spirit-led life. Guys, this is vitally important. It's something that we, you, won't, you won't hear it in every church out there. We stress it at Church of the Harvest because it's scriptural. Living the spirit-led life, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's a person. Absolutely a person. He's the third part of the Trinity. Amen? Scripture makes it clear. There's a, there is a separate baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's over and over and over again in the New Testament. Acts 1.5, John baptized with water, Jesus said, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In Acts 11.15 and 16, he said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. They're, they're, the apostles are seeing it happen to others around them. He, he saw it happened upon, fell upon them just as it did others what, in the beginning What's he talking about? He's talking about the upper room. Remember the mighty rushing wind? Remember the tongues of fire? Remember them speaking in other tongues? Remember, the, remember them walking out and, and preaching the gospel and 3,000 coming to Christ? That whole thing happening in a, in, in a very short period that day? The coming of the Holy Spirit? That's what they saw happening to others as they stepped out and began leading people to Christ. And verse 16 says, And I remember the word of the Lord and how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So you see them speaking here. The apostles are talking. They're teaching. They're seeing people that they're ministering to can feel the Holy Spirit. And, and you can tell here that they were thinking, okay, well, obviously that wasn't just for us. This just happened to us. But it says in verse 16, And then I remembered the word of the Lord. That he said this would happen. And it did. And I'm not going to go into detail on this right now. Actually, they're talking about in, uh, having a Sunday school class a couple of months from now that's actually going to go into the, into the Holy Spirit and teaching on that some. But let me say that we should be, as we live a, that surrendered life to God, um, a life of submission, I'm sorry, um, spirit-led living should produce several things from us. And you'll get some of this from class 201, some of you remember. But when the stresses of life seem to overwhelm us, the Holy Spirit comes and brings us comfort. When we're lost and don't know which way to go in life, the Holy Spirit brings us guidance. When we blow it, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Um, on top of that, you see the Holy Spirit uh, bring, gives us power. It talks about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, so that we can be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Actually, in Galatians chapter 5, we know the fruit of the Spirit. I believe this should be, this should be one of the primary evidences of the Holy Spirit in a Spirit-filled church. This is, I believe, also one of the greatest failures this should be one of the first things that comes out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then we know there's the, the spiritual gifts. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. We know the vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And then the power gifts, faith, healings, and workings of miracles. This is part of living a life that is submitted to God. Living that spirit-led life. The third thing I want to mention for a mature believer is a life of trust and obedience. And how many points do you come up with 
How do you express trust and obedience? Well, how do you break that down? I came up with two things. Trust and obedience. (laughs) Trust and obey, right? We've got to trust our Father. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, right? Most of us probably have that scripture memorized. But how many of us still don't, still don't get it? We still try to figure it all out on our own. Romans eleven thirty three. I thought this was great. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. You can't figure out God's way. You can't trace out his path. You can't map it out. So stop trying to figure it out. Does this make sense? We can trust God. He's got it. If we will lean on him and obey him, which is the second part of this. The obedience part, right? We know that John 14, 15, Jesus said what? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Here's the thing. You can do some of the other steps. You can get into the word of God. You could memorize the Bible from cover to cover. From, from the table of contents to the maps, you can memorize it. If you don't do it, it's nothing. I had somebody get upset at me one time years ago. We were over on Ross Road because it was after service, and I got my Bible, and I dropped it on the floor. And they flipped out. Oh, don't do that to God's Word. Don't drop to God's Word on the floor. And I was like, okay, that's a book. That's ink and paper right there. God's Word is in my heart. Is what I walk out in my life, right? That's ink and paper, And if we don't do anything with that Bible, if you don't do anything with that Bible you've got in your hand, it will never, to the day you die, be any good to you except for ink and paper. I got to thinking, how many of us want freedom in our life? Freedom comes through obedience. How many of us want blessing in our life? Blessing comes through obedience. How many of us want breakthrough? comes through obedience. How many of us want peace? It comes through obedience. Everything that we love to claim from God's we have to learn to obey and make hard decisions in our lives, even when it makes no sense to the world around us. And the last little thing I want to mention real quick to tag on to this about trusting and obeying is not overthinking things. How many of you would say that you're the type of person that totally can overthink things? Man, I can complicate things sometimes. So easy. And you can just, something that was two steps, you can turn into 50 steps. Could have been so simple. And I think we do that so often. Here's the question. 
Is God who he says he is or not? Are you who God says you are or not? That's what it all boils down to. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure out the way. Just do what he says. Simply trust him and obey him and watch the walls come down. Trust him and obey him and watch the mountains get up and move. Stop trying to move them yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm just not strong enough. (laughs) I can't lift up an anthill, much less a mountain. So wrapping up the same way I wrapped up last week. How do we come into alignment with God? We commit to a life that confesses Jesus as Lord. We commit to a life of surrender and repentance. How do we fine-tune that alignment? We continue to discover who we are as a new creation and our place in his family. We submit to and we learn from those that God has placed in our life. We learn to trust and obey God in our life unconditionally. And we choose to walk out the process. Anybody say amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you so much that you made a way when there was no possible way. We thank you that you are a good God. Like we sang this morning, you're a good, good father. And we're done trying to complicate things. We're done trying to figure things out. Lord, we say today that we trust you. We love you. With every head bowed, I would ask today, I'm just going to ask first and foremost, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, we always close this way. We never want to close the service without giving the opportunity for you to come into alignment with Jesus. This is, this is the very first step. Don't worry about all the other stuff yet. All the other stuff we talked about today, if you haven't gotten your life right with Christ, if you haven't committed to those two first things, if you haven't committed to living a life that confess Jesus is Lord and committed to a life of surrender and repentance, then this is your moment. You can become that new creation today. You can get that new nature with those new desires, but you've got to surrender yourself to them. You've got to choose to give up on your way of life and choose to embrace him. If that's you and you would say, I need to give my life to Jesus today, just lift up your hand and let me see this morning with every hand every head bowed. Who would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus this morning? All right. Maybe you're here and you've realized that you're not in alignment like you should be. Maybe you've dedicated your life to the Lord. But you know what? You've been living way too much for yourself. And you're not hearing his voice in your life. And you're not in his word. And you don't know your place in his family. And you recognize that it's time to surrender. It's time to get things right. It's time to bow down before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's time to make some things right. 
If that's you and you would say, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to get things back in alignment again. If that's you with every head bowed, lift your hand high so I can see. Yeah, who else? Who else would say, I need to get my life in alignment this morning with the Lord? Okay. If you've got your hand raised, just just look up at me real quick. Okay, I see. Yep. Anybody else? We're going to pray this prayer together. And this is a prayer of rededication. And we're just rededicating our lives to the Lord. And you just mean it with your heart. It's not just words. It's position of your heart. So even now, just close your eyes and just begin to think about the love of the Father. Allow him to just picture him wrapping his arms of love around you, even this moment. Even as the Holy Spirit floods you. And as we say this, let him minister to you. We're all going to say this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I already received you as Lord of my life. But today, I embrace you again. I embrace you new. And I call you Lord of my life. I ask you to lead me and to guide me to order my steps. And I commit that I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put away my old way of life. And I'm going to do things your way. I submit to you. I surrender to you. Use me, Lord, to further your kingdom. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to do everything that you've called me to do. I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.